Pentecost Sunday. It's a testament to what Jesus gave in giving his life. And he said in John, you can see in John 14, 15, and 16, Jesus saying, it's so important that I, I'm not just here, but that I go. Because when I go, I'm going to give you Holy Spirit. On the day of Pentecost, 50 days after Passover, 50 days after uh, Jesus' crucifixion, 50 days later, Holy Spirit came. It's amazing that for uh, 40 days, you see in the scriptures, 40 days Jesus walked uh, and, and did different signs. He was seen among different uh, disciples and, and followers. But then 10 days prior to this day, he ascended on high. And in John, we see that when Jesus ascended, it said that he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. You know, as I've, I've shared that many, many times, and as I was um, preparing for today, being Pentecost Sunday, I, I've, I just felt that the Lord was saying, there's more I want to do in you. There's more I want to do in the river. There's more I want to do uh, in the lives of my people. And this past week, it's been, uh, the Lord is so good. Amen? That's a good place to say Amen. The Lord is so good, and He gives us opportunities. If, we're just, if we'll just listen, he'll, he'll give opportunities to speak into us. And, and last week, one of the things that the Lord kept saying to my heart was He kept talking to me about the wineskin. I've preached that uh, several times here. But Jesus said, you have need of a new wineskin because the old wineskin can't hold the new wine that I want to pour out. And in one translation, I can't remember exactly which translation it is now, but they he said, he was talking to the religious leaders, and they said, well, the old is good enough for us. And, and, Dominican, and the Dominican would say, no bueno. That means no good. <laughs> no good. Why? Because he said, I've got something new I want to do in you. And you know what? Here's, I want to say this from the beginning. I don't feel, just so you know where I stand theologically, I don't feel that God comes in waves. I believe we reach out in waves. I believe God is constant. He's forever the same. Hebrews 13, 8 says, Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. We've seen waves of revival. You know, they say that we're in a third wave or something now. It's what this is called, this third move or whatever, uh, since Pentecost. And, uh, but I believe that it's not that God's coming in and out. It's men are reaching out more and uh, they're connecting with a God who's always sending, who's always reaching. It's not that we have to, and the reason I say that is because I believe if you believe that God comes and leaves, comes and leaves, then you have to wonder and you have to feel that I have to do something to get him to come back. And that's not good theology. To think, now let me clarify that, to think that I want God to move here more than he wants to move. That's not healthy. Are you with me? So what I believe happens is there are those times when men say, you know what, I can't just live this way anymore. I've got to know him more intimately. I've got to encounter him more deeply. So men begin to do things they haven't done before. Does that God cause God to move? No. What that does is it puts them in the position to receive what God is already doing. 
Amen. Does that make sense? I don't want to leave anybody. I want us to move together. Because I feel that, you know, as we look in scriptures and we see God moving, Jesus, uh, again, Hebrews 13, 8 says, Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. He said, I am the Lord your God. I change not. It's who he is. So we need to know the benevolence, the love of our Father. He's forever giving. Amen. And as we partner with what he's doing, it's much like, uh, you know, I've heard the analogy of a radio station. You know, if, if your radio's going in and out, it's because you're moving in and out of reception. It's not because the signal's changing. And in this day, this day of Pentecost, I don't want it just to be another day on the calendar. Amen. I want it to be a day that we say, Jesus, no reservations, no walls. Just an open door to my heart. And as I was, so this week I've been praying and I've just really been looking into Pentecost. And you know what's so amazing is all around the world today, churches of all denominational backgrounds will be talking about Pentecost. And as I was studying, I read many, many things. This is, this is good. I want to read this to you. This was uh, written by uh, the former president of the Southern Baptist Convention. This is good. Because I want you to know, I, I, I've said this many times, I'll say again. I'm not saying that uh, we have it all right. And I'm not saying that there are others who have it all wrong. I, we're the body. And that doesn't matter what denominational background they come from, we're the body, and God's giving revelation to each and every one as much as they desire to have. So it was Dr. Jerry Vines. He said this. He said, the average Christian in the average church are somewhere bogged down between Calvary and Pentecost. They have been to Calvary for pardon, but they have not been to Pentecost for power. Bethlehem means God with us. Calvary means God for us, but Pentecost means God in us. <laughs> Let me say that again. The average Christian in the average church are somewhere bogged down between Calvary and Pentecost. They have been to Calvary for pardon, but they've not been to Pentecost for power. Bethlehem means God with us. Calvary means God for us, but Pentecost means God in us. God in us. And throughout these readings, as I, I searched the internet, and I just put in the power of Pentecost, and it was amazing the different denominational leaders who were crying out, saying, there's more, there's power. And now they would stop short of talking about the gifts of the Spirit and stuff like that, but they would talk about there's power to be a witness. There's power that we're missing. And it's so true. What sets us apart from every other belief system in the world is the power of God. Amen. It's the difference. You can argue theology with, with those who, who believe, even cults. They're very indoctrinated in what they believe, and you can argue and get nowhere. I believe that's what Paul experienced when he went to Mars Hill. He, he reasoned with them from the Scriptures, and they talked and talked. But we see from that account, no converts. But later, we see in Paul's life, he says, I didn't come to you with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in power and in demonstration. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, it talks about that. He said, I think it's 1 Corinthians 1, he says, there are those who are talking about God, 
But we'll see who's real when who shows up with power. <laughs> the purpose of Pentecost was the power of God, not just for man, but in man. That's good. That's why Jesus said it's important. It's to your advantage in John's gospel that I go away because if I go, I'll send the comforter, the helper, the parakletos, the, the Holy Spirit. That word, as I was studying this, one of the, trans, uh, one of the um, notes that I read from a, a commentary said that that word parakletos is, is comforter. We've taught, heard all the time one called alongside. They said it was actually a term used in battle. The parakletos is your partner in battle. And they said that it was this way. When you would go into battle, you would turn back to back so that no weakness was exposed. You and your parakletos was back to back, and you were both fighting. So you had full vision this way, and he had full vision that way. (laughs) Oh, man, it ran all over me. (laughs) That's good news. That's really, really good news. So as I was preparing for this, I I went to the scriptures and I said, Lord, I want to see the first place that spirit is used. And in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 and 2, verse 1 says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. The Spirit of God was so... The Lord was showing me here in the, the first mention of the Spirit deals with creation. God creating, dealing with the power of God. The Spirit of God was there, hovering. And it, that word hovering there, it literally means brooding. Remember when Jesus told Israel, he said, oh, Israel, Israel, how often would I have loved to gather you? Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often would I have loved to gather you under uh, my wings like a, a mother hen broods or gathers or protects It means to protect, to draw near. He said that's what the Holy Spirit was doing. He was hovering over creation. He was waiting. The the first mention of the Spirit in the New Testament is found in Matthew chapter 1. In Matthew chapter 1, in the beginning, uh, I'm sorry, and now the birth of Jesus was as follows. After his mother was uh, betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. What do we see Holy Spirit doing here? Creating. Right? So the first mention of Spirit of God in the Bible, in your Bible, my Bible, is creation. He's in cre- active in creation. The next reference we see to Spirit, I mean the first reference we see to Spirit in the New Testament is He's creating. Do we see a pattern? Do you see what the Lord is wanting to do on the inside of us today? I believe he's wanting to create something <laughs> bigger than you. Bigger than you. Stephanie, I want you to come. You concern me there a minute. I saw you, then you were gone. I thought, dang, she done got translated. <laughs> As she comes, I want to I read this. Uh, in worship, uh, Jake came up to me, and uh, he, had this, he had this word. Yes, a stretching is coming because you can't pour new wine in an old wineskin. He and I haven't communicated. He knew that Stephanie had a word this morning, but she hadn't read the word to him. And I say that just for reason, for context. You must stretch to receive the new wine. It is evident in nature. As the universe is expanding, so must our horizons expand. God's glory is ever-changing as we cry, holy, holy. It's time to stretch or you'll burst. 
the healings of Jesus were done different every time, so we had to look to the Father and not to formulas. All right, Stephanie. That's good. Yeah. Amen. That's sweet. And when I was um, praying, I knelt down and I, I'm simple, y'all. I said, Lord, what's your heart for us this morning? And um, if it's okay, you guys don't have to, but I would like for y'all to stand, if you will. Amen. Because um, this is what I saw. And where I'm at now, I've told the Lord I'll say yes, no matter what he tells me to do. So <laughs> um, he said, I want my people to stretch. So I literally, I saw us stretching. So physically and spiritually, I want us to stretch. Oh, Yes. You never Amen. know what the Lord's going to do. <laughs> that feels good. Doesn't that feel good? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Thank Lord's you. doing the same thing with us in the spirit. Yeah. Um, the definition of stretch. Hang on. Sorry. Um, there's two definitions. Number one, and this is Wikipedia, um, of something soft or elastic be made or be capable of being made longer or wider without tearing or breaking. Come and immediately on. I thought about it. For me, I always put on my clothes, and I want them to stretch a little bit more. <laughs> <laughs> the Lord is stretching us a little bit more. He's making us longer and wider Come on. For, mm, for that exact reason, to put more in us yeah. that we've Amen. never received before. The other definition is to straighten or extend one's body or part of one's body to its full length, Typically, so as to tighten one's muscles or in order to reach something. Um, I wanna, I'm here to encourage you this morning. Three things the Lord gave me was in the beginning, He stretched forth and created. Yeah. There's amazing ways that He is creating in us this morning. Yeah. The second thing is he, he showed me a pregnant woman. We have one right here up front as an example. <laughs> um, my sister-in-law is pregnant, guys, and she is... Um, from a large family, so she's excited, but she was, she's a size two, and she's never been bigger than a size two in her life, so as you guys know, stretching is uncomfortable. Yeah. You want to quit. You're like, I don't want to stretch. I'm fine right where I'm at, but unless she stretches, new life will not come forth, Come on, That's so it's good. the same thing in us. God wants that new life birth. There's so many things in us, so many giftings, so Come many on. abilities. Yeah. And it does, it's not on a grand scale. I promise you, I'm a person that is behind the scenes. I do a lot. The Lord leads me to do a lot, but I'm not on a billboard. So there's so many things that he's bringing new life that you're like, oh, somebody's in here saying that. I'm saying that because somebody in here is saying I'm a nobody. You are yeah. a somebody to God. I'm up here to encourage you this morning. Um, the other thing, the third thing, Jesus said, I stretched for you. Yeah. Yeah. If he didn't stretch, none of us would be here because he stretched his arms and his legs. And he said yes to what God wanted him to do. So the Lord is stretching us this morning. And wow. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. I'm glad you're just awake now. That's awesome. She made everybody stretch, so you're awake. I got a good 10, 15 minutes left anyway because you're stretched. Wow. All right. I'm just going to. 
Julie, will you come up and share your testimony? I'm just going to stretch, amen, and give him room. Amen. <laughs> amen. Hey, have your way. I hadn't jumped around in a while. I need to jump around a little bit and be stretched. Amen. The Lord has stretched me through some physical things in the last three or four months. I went to get a checkup. <laughs> Think about that long and hard the next time. <laughs> <laughs> they, have, they have poked and they have prodded and they have flipped and they have turned and they have x-rayed and they have inside and they have outside. And it's been uncomfortable. Yeah. And they keep looking for something. And they give people a long face and they look some more. Last Sunday I came in here and I didn't feel like being here. Come on. And I had different ones come up and pray for me. In about 10 minutes, I was different. <laughs> I didn't feel sick on my stomach. Come on. I, I actually sat up and didn't lay down in that chair and go to sleep. Come on. Amen. You might have seen my eyes flutter a couple of times, but I didn't go to sleep. And that's the longest I've been awake in a long time. I just have to sit down and rest. But I went home, and I've had a better week. And Amen. what happened is, whose report shall we believe? Amen. Mark Amen. Sharp told me last week he had a profound word for me. <laughs> he said, it's great, it's wonderful, it's profound, it's deep, it's theology, it's all those things. And I said, uh-oh. <laughs> and he said, And that's what happened to me this week. It was, poof. <laughs> the phone rang in the doctor's office, and the nurse was so excited. She said, Mrs. Fisher, you're normal. Praise <laughs> you, Jesus. I'm normal. This is normal. All my blood work come back. They couldn't find cancer. They couldn't find anything. They looked so hard. But they couldn't Amen. Find Amen. God is good, and he, yes. is, he is worthy. And he, yes. As Eddie said, he's got one more test to put me through, and he said he's going to look and go, where did it go? Yeah. Amen. Amen. So I'm, with, I'm with you, Stephanie. We're, we're being stretched. Amen. Thank you. Amen. Praise God. Come on. You know, you know what's so beautiful about that is just the obedience to what the Lord tells you to do. I mean, I love the tenderness of Mark. I, I've shared him before. You know, it, that's that stretching. We talk about stretching. You know, stretching is never comfortable. If it is, you're not doing it right. I'm just telling you. Because what you do when you stretch is you pull the muscle further than it wants to go. You, you stretch the, uh, the body beyond what it is in its comfortable place. You know, I love you, honey. My wife is about as flexible as a stick. <laughs> Just being straight. <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't even plan that. That was just how good I am. It just came out like that. But her legs, if she does a toe touch, this is about it. She gets a little past the knees. And, and so she's been stretching some. And... Uh, Different people have shown her different ways to stretch to help her. And she'll get out and she'll stretch and she'll say, oh. So 
Sometimes she tries to get me to help stretch her, and she'll lay in the floor, and I'll tell her to straighten her leg out so I can pull it up, and it does this. The further it comes up, the more it bends. It's, it's cool how it does this. And if I make it straight and pick it up, her whole bottom comes off the ground. So I can have her leg locked out and straight, but when I push this way, her hips comes off the ground this far. Once I get past about here and start going here, everything comes up with it. But it's to her advantage that she stretch. She can not stretch and stay the way she is, which is not comfortable and it's not healthy. But in order to get to where she hasn't been, she has to do things she hasn't done. And she has to stretch. And that's the thing that I, I love about Mark is he allows the Lord to stretch him in ways. I, I remember, and I've told this, we talked about this. I can remember in, in his small group one time, they did the hokey pokey. You go, what the world? You know, even in the word that, that uh, Jake had is that when the Lord, when we look at the life of Jesus, he didn't do things the same way every time. Because we're formula-driven. Uh, we, we want a formula. Just tell me what I can do every time so that I get the same result every time. And he said, no, I'm more interested in relationship. I want you to know me, not what I do. As you know me, you, you encounter what I do. But I want you to know me. And to just, you know, Julie's had many prayers. And this is, please don't take this the wrong way. If you're looking for a fence, I'm always going to be able to give you one. Just so we know that going in. That's never my heart or my intention. But there's been many people prayed for Julie. I prayed for Julie and been praying for Julie. But there's that word, Mark being in obedience and just saying, poof. There was something the Lord did. Just through an act of obedience and an act of receiving that the Lord did. So you think, what? So why are you saying that? Because, you know, our, our uh, tendency is to always result to familiarity. When we're praying for people, we'll go straight to Isaiah 53. Is Isaiah 53 good? Absolutely. Matthew 10.8. Is Matthew 10.8 good? Absolutely. First Peter 2. Is that good? Absolutely. All those scriptures are good. But sometimes what we've done is we've created a tradition and we're just reciting what's been recited to us and we're not really releasing faith with it and they're hearing what they've always heard. Amen. So being obedient to, to receive a word of knowledge that sounds contrary to what someone else may want to hear or, or you think, man, they're going to think I'm stupid. But being willing and obedient. See, that's the stretching that he's wanting to do in a living, breathing body today. This day, this Pentecost, I believe. You know, we see... We see two promises about this day, the day of Pentecost. We see one in the Old Testament. We see one in the New Testament. In the Old Testament, we're very familiar with it. It's quoted by Peter in Acts chapter 2 when the Holy Spirit is poured out. You familiar with it? Joel, right? Joel chapter 2, 28, 29 says this, And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old man shall dream dreams. Your young man shall see visions. I'm still seeing visions. Bob says, I'm dreaming a whole lot. <laughs> and also on my men's servants and my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. You know what's so powerful about this? He says, 
on your daughters, on your sons and your daughters. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Not just men. Your men and your women will prophesy. Your men servants and your maid servants. He said they'll all to have the Spirit of God. It's not restricted to just a few. On the day of Pentecost in the upper room, there was 120 people there, most scholars say. And in that, it wasn't just men. Amen. There were men and women, and the Spirit of God was poured out on men and women. The next promise that we have is in John chapter 16, verse 7 through 15, Jesus speaking. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin, because they don't believe in me. Do not believe in me. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Of judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot hear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth, this is the helper that he was talking about. When he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will, speak on his, he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I say that he will take of mine and declare it to you. He said, it's important, it's to your advantage that I go away. This is Jesus speaking. Why? Because if I don't go away, the helper can't come. He said, it's to your advantage that I go away so that the helper can come. Who's the helper? Holy Spirit. So we see in Joel, he said that in that day, that his spirit's going to be poured out. Jesus said, the promise of Jesus is, if I go, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. That's the promise that he gave to us, that in his leaving, he said, I won't leave you. Throughout John, I'll not leave you comfortless. He said, I won't leave you as orphans. Amen. He said, it's so important that I go away because when I go, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. So there they are in, in, in Acts. We see in uh, Luke let me see, Luke 24, 49, Jesus said this, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem till you're endued with power from on high. And I, I, uh, I shared this earlier, but just as foundation, because I want, us to, I want us to know. I don't want us to hope or think. I want us to know. John 20, verse 21. So Jesus said to them, this is Jesus, this is 10 days prior to today. 2,000 plus years ago. You with me? You tracking with me? This is the day that Jesus is ascending. And before he ascends into heaven, he's there with his disciples. And this is what he says to them. Uh, let's just go to verse 19. How's that? Is that good? It's good for me. Then the same day at evening, be, being the first day of the week, when this, the doors were shut and the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, he came and stood in the midst of them and said, Peace be with you. When he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Then Jesus said to them again, Peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they're forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. 
Uh, so this isn't, I'm sorry, that's not the day of ascension. My bad. This is uh, a few days prior to that. Jesus goes in the room where the disciples are, and he breathes on them, and he says, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, that's important on several different levels. One, because man received the Spirit, how? By God's breath. God formed Adam from the dust of the ground, and it says he breathed in him the breath of life. And man became a living spirit, a living being, when God breathed in him. So when man sinned, that spirit man died on the inside of man. He was a soul. He, he is a spirit, but his spirit was, had died in relation to God. So when here, Jesus, the disciples had believed that. Man, I'm trying to say so much. Slow down. We have to understand Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are Old Testament books. <laughs> well, not in my Bible, they're not. They're in the New Testament. They're old covenant books because they are written before the sacrifice was made and the price was paid. Now, they reference and they tell of Jesus and what he came to do. But as far as covenant, the new covenant began when Jesus resurrected from the grave. And the fulfillment of it came when the Spirit came. So let me, let me help you with one other thing. See, salvation wasn't complete just in the resurrection of Jesus. Had it been, he would have just took everybody to heaven with him. Salvation was complete in the giving of Holy Spirit. Because he said, my kingdom is, a, is with you, but it will be in you. So when Holy Spirit was given, the, the purpose of salvation came to fruition. And that is not just God with us, but God in us. Not just the power of God for us, but the power of God through us. Are you with me? So the purpose of Jesus' coming was to pay for sin. Absolutely. Men were, sin were sinners. They were separated from God. Jesus came for salvation, but he came. Look, First John says this, as he is, right, so are we in the earth, right? First John 4, as he is, so are we in the earth. Does it say as he was or as he is? How is he now? We have John, the same one who wrote First John. He wrote the book of Revelation, and he talks about what Jesus looks like now. His hair is white, and his eyes are like fire. He's not this wounded lamb that was sacrificed. He's a reigning king over heaven and earth. And he reigns with authority. When they look at him, he's majesty. He's the one that they just cry, holy, 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 and, and declare his righteousness, his holiness, his beauty. That's how he is right now. So when God sees you, he doesn't see you as a sacrificed lamb. He sees you with, as a man and a woman with eyes of fire. Come on. There's a light right there that just came on for someone. So in Acts, wow, Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1, verse 4. It says, verse 4, and being assembled together when he, with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, 
he, uh, you have heard from me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had, had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, when will the, when the Lord, nope, they saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to him, it is not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. But, verse 8, but you shall receive what? Power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had spoken these things, uh, while they watched, he was taken up. A cloud received him out of their sight. And while he looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, who, said, who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus who was taken from you in hev- into heaven will come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. You know, that's so uh, amazing. It's such a uh, tendency of us too. What are you talking about? Jesus goes up and two, two men in white come and they say, why are you just standing here gazing? This same Jesus who left will come in like manner. And what I see, when times get tough, what I see is the church has a tendency to take this same posture. They just stand and look to heaven. Jesus, when you're coming, please come and get us. Instead of understanding that this same Jesus that went in power is coming back in power. But our responsibility is not to stand gazing, wondering when he comes back. Our responsibility, our privilege and our right is to be sons and daughters of God, filled with the power of God. That's why I said, wait in Jerusalem till you be endued with power. Because I have something for you to do till I come back. He said those times and those seasons aren't for you to worry about. It's going to happen. But what is your right and what is your privilege is to be filled with the Spirit of God. To walk in power and authority and demonstration in the earth. So that the world will know that Jesus is alive. Jesus himself, when talking to the the Pharisees and disciples, he said, If you don't believe my words, believe me for the very work's sake. Jesus said that. So if Jesus said, if you don't believe my words, you look at my works, how much more should we today be able to say the same thing? Especially in John chapter 14, when Jesus said, greater works than these shall you do because I go to my Father. Amen. That's a good word. Thank you. I think so. (coughs) Acts chapter 1. No, let's go to Acts chapter 2 now. Acts chapter 2, verse verse 1. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with us. You know what's so awesome? You know what the number 50 means in numerology? Salvation. 50 means salvation. Remember when I said a minute ago, and I could tell by looks on some faces, I try not to focus on anybody because I don't want to make anybody uncomfortable. I let the Holy Spirit do that. When I said that the purpose, uh, I mean, that Jesus in his coming, that the cross wasn't the end. It was the door into the fulfillment by the sending of the Holy Spirit. Because Holy Spirit came when? 50 days. Which means, the number 50 means what? See, you were thinking bad things about me and you were wrong. Amen. 
When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as, as of fire, and, and one sat upon each of them. You know what's so, so beautiful in this, these first few verses right here? Listen. And the day of Pentecost had come, had fully come. They were all with one accord in one place. So they were in one accord in one place, right? In unity, in one place. 120 believers, most scholars say. And then suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a mighty rushing wind. You know, we've all seen the documentaries or whatever, whether it be Christian TV or secular TV of the day of Pentecost and things like this. And we see the disciples in there and then this huge wind comes in and they're all sitting in the room and everybody ever seen that? And the wind's just blowing. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say that the wind blew in and everybody, the curtains blew up and everybody's like, what the? It doesn't say that. It said it was as a wind, the sound of a mighty rushing wind. You ever heard the sound of a mighty rushing wind? I won't ever forget when uh, I don't, don't know exactly what they titled it as being, but it was a storm came through. It was years ago. We were, my wife is not a fan of storms. She likes basements when there's storms coming. But we were at my mom and dad's uh, <clears throat> down in the basement, and it sounded like a train came between their house and the neighbor's house. It was the sound of a mighty rushing wind. I remember that to this day, that sound. And you hear that a lot when people talk about tornadoes. They go, man, it sounded like a train was coming. And that's what that sounded like that night that, that, that we were there, that day. I don't remember what time of day it was. But I remember that sound. And it says that they were in the upper room in one accord, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. So you can imagine. You know, we don't know that they were all sitting there quiet like this. And a rushing mighty wind, the sound of a rushing mighty wind came in. But even if they were all in there going after it in prayer. Now, have you ever seen a, a, a Jew pray? When they're going after it, it's not a quiet little thing. I had the privilege of going to the Western Wall and to be down amongst them as they were praying. And they're reciting scripture, and they're going after it like this. So if they were in the upper room praying, it wasn't like some of our prayer meetings when everybody's sitting around like this. It wasn't like that. If they were praying, it was probably loud. They were praying. But when he came in, it was louder. <laughs> it was louder. And here's what's so beautiful. It filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire. And look at this. This is how it changes. Listen, listen. This is so good. So they were all together in unity in one accord. So we see the unity of the body being all together. But now when God begins to pour out who he is, it wasn't just an on-the-body thing. He changes his vernacular to each one received. Man, that's pretty. 
That's just beautiful. It wasn't just, well, this is for this select group. It was for everyone in the room God individually met. <laughs> you know, that's the same invitation today. The same invitation today. I've been in services, and I've seen people asleep, and I've seen people wrecked in the presence of God in the same room. I've seen people on the altar crying out, saying, God, I, I want more. I don't even know what more looks like, but I want it. And I've seen other people watching their watch going, oh, Lord, are we ever going to get out of here? He said, to each one. And is that precious to anybody other than me? To each one. He came as the sound of a mighty rushing wind and filled the whole room. But then when he started ministering, he ministered one-on-one. One-on-one, that's good. That's so good because he's got something one-on-one for you today. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Verse 5. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem devout men from every nation under heaven. And with, when this, this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look, are not all these that, uh, who speak Galileans? How is it that I hear, that, that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? And I'm not going to go through the list of them. <laughs> and it goes down, it says, verse 11, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. So they were all perple- amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, whatever could this mean? Others were mocking, saying, They're full of new wine. You know what? They were. It was a different new wine. But Jesus said, you got to have a new wineskin because I'm going to give new wine. And those on the outside, see, here's, here's my heart. I'm not praying for Pentecost to hit our church so we can all flop around like fish and shout and run and prophesy to one another. If that happens, praise God. But what I want is authentic Pentecost, just like we see here. When it happened in the house, it spilled out in the street. It, did, it wasn't contained. It couldn't be contained. He came like a might, as a sound of a mighty rushing wind. But when he touched each individual person, they began to roar. With the lion of the tribe of Judah. And as they roared, it went out into the street. And the people on the outside were going, man, I hear the wonderful works of God being declared. And others were going, they're just drunk. They're just drunk. And I've shared this many times before. I love it, though. He said this, and then Peter standing up, saying, uh, with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. These are not drunk, as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day. It's early in the morning. He didn't say they weren't drunk. He said they aren't drunk like you suppose. They're drunk, but it's on new wine. Not just fresh wine. New wine of the Holy Spirit. 
that's never been poured into man like this before. Is that amazing? See, up until this point, the Holy Spirit would come upon a person and empower them to do something. But until Jesus, the Holy Spirit hadn't been poured into someone to do something. Amen. And he said this. Let's just look at that a minute. Here's the difference of Holy Spirit in a believer. Peter. I talked about Peter last week. Talked about if I was going to be the one to preach this message, I'd have probably chose John, the disciple whom Jesus loved, who laid his head on Jesus' breast. But he chose Peter. And here, Peter, the one who denied him. Remember? Jesus said, I'll never, I'll die for you. And Peter said, I'll die for you. Jesus said, before the cock crows, you'll deny me thrice. You'll deny me three times. Right? And he did. Even swore, cursed, and said, I don't know the man. Jesus said, Peter, when you repent, you're going you're gonna to strengthen the brothers. And here, Peter, on the day of Pentecost, you know what's so beautiful about this? Nowhere in it here does it say, and God sovereignly chose Peter to stand up and talk. Nowhere does Scripture say, God sovereignly chose Peter to walk on water. Peter had something on the inside of him that said, I will not stand for the normal, for the average. And here's what I love about the Lord. When Peter would step out and miss it, God didn't wig out. It wasn't like you don't ever see the Lord going, oh, Peter. Again, Peter was willing to say, I know there's more than what we're just seeing right now, and I want it. I want it. If that's you, tell me to come. He said, come. He said, oh, snap. <laughs> and he walked out on the day of Pentecost. He told Peter, when you repent, you're going to strengthen the brother. On the, the brethren, on the day of Pentecost, Holy Spirit comes in. As the sound of a mighty rushing wind. They encounter the living God. Should we expect any less? I'm not talking about the sound of a mighty rushing wind, but should we expect any less than to encounter the living God? Not just base it on what someone has talked us into. Should we expect anything less than meeting with the God of heaven who's bigger than any book, he's bigger than any church? Should we expect any less when he says, I'll come to you? <laughs> no. We should expect no less. And when that happened, on the day of Pentecost, Peter, he heard the same ones that were mocking when Jesus was crucified 50 days earlier. Mm-hmm. But this time, something had happened in him. And Peter stepped forward and said, You men... And brethren, listen to me. This that you see, they aren't drunk like you think they are. It's new wine, but it's not the wine that you're thinking about. It's the wine of the Holy Spirit. And Peter preaches. Man, you read this. You read. He takes off right here. That, but this was spoken by Joel, the, the prophet Joel. And he goes through that. 
And he talks about, then he goes back into it. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, verse 22, a man attested by God by miracles, wonders, and signs. What? What did he say? Let me read it. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you. How? Because he taught you things you'd never heard before. Because he embarrassed the ones who thought they were going to be smarter than him. No, it said, God by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves also know, him being delivered up by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands, have crucified and put to death, whom God raised up, having uh, loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be held by it. For David says concerning him, and then he goes into preaching about what David said. And he said, men, in verse 29, men and brethren, I let, let me speak freely to you. Like he hadn't been up to this point, right? Peter said, let me just share my heart. <laughs> no, Peter, don't do it. He talks about David again. Oh, let me see. Where... Verse 40. With many other words he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day, about 3,000 souls were added to them. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and breaking of bread and prayer uh, and in prayers. Look, verse 43, then fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. You see a theme? Yes, I see a theme. Thank you. Peter stands, he preaches a word full of power and conviction. And 3,000 people, you know what's amazing about this? When the law was given at, at Mount Sinai, 3,000 people died. On the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit was given, 3,000 people were born again. That's beautiful. That's, be that's Jesus said, I've come that you might have what? Life. And that you might have it how? More abundantly. To the full that overflows. Jesus said, I've come for a purpose. That you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. And I'm just going to make reference to this. I won't read it for sake of time because I'm going to close. In Acts chapter 8. In Acts 8 we see that uh, the apostles got word that Samaria had received Jesus. Y'all remember Samaria? Samaria, that's the, the country, the, the town or city, if you will, that the Jews wouldn't go into because they were mixed, Jew and Gentile. They said that the Samaritans were like dogs, that they didn't even have a soul. That's what the Jews believed, right? But here, such radical transformation happened in the disciples. Oh, man, he's so good. You know, the woman who came and said, yeah, but even the dogs, what did they say? Jesus, send her away. I'm pretty sure she was a Samaritan. I'm not positive, 100%. Huh? Syrophoenician woman. Okay. But he said, Paul, these disciples that wanted to send her away, now they've heard that, that Jesus, they, that the Samaritans, the dogs received Jesus. They said, 
we got to go see if they've received Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 8, he said, we got to see. So they sent to them. Guess who they sent? Guess, guess, who they sent? Who did they send to the Samaritans? Peter and John. See, they're good. They knew what I would have chosen, so they put John there with Peter. So they sent Peter and John, and they go down, and they ask him, and, and uh, it said this, Then Peter and John, and who, when they had come, they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet, verse 16, Holy, he had not, the Holy Spirit had, not, had fallen upon none of them. They had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then he laid hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. The word fallen there. It's the same word it used when the, uh, Jesus was given the, the prodigal son. When he was looking and he saw the son coming, it says that the father ran and he fell on his son's neck. Now that word fell doesn't mean that he tripped and fell on his son and knocked him down. The word fell means to embrace or to hug. It's the same word that's used here when it says, for he had not fallen upon none, he had fallen upon none of them. He had not embraced them. Holy Spirit. And, it, and then it talks about when the Holy Spirit fell upon them. It talks, this is the same word. It means the Holy Spirit embraced them. Isn't that beautiful? He hugged them. He gave them a big hug. Here's what's so awesome in this right here. And then verse 18, and when Simon saw that through the laying on the hands, uh, laying on the apostles' hands, the Holy Spirit was given, he offered them money saying, give me this power. What did Simon recognize? Power. That they laid hands on them and they received Holy Spirit. They had a radical encounter with God. He knew that because he saw it with his eyes. And when he saw that, he said, I want this. And then they go through and they rebuke him. And he said, pray for me. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just doing what I knew to do. <laughs> give you some money. Give me what you got. They rebuked him. He repented. <clears throat> so my encouragement today is this. We, we've, been, we've been encouraged through prophetic words. We've been encouraged through the scriptures that God is saying, I want to do something in you I've never done before. But for that to happen... For that to happen, there has to be the willingness and the invitation saying, Jesus, I want what you have for me. I want what Holy Spirit has for me. And here's my heart's desire, is that it won't be just something that happens inside of here, but when we have an authentic encounter with him, when you leave, you can't help but tell. Amen. Spirit, you are welcome here. Come